Hello and welcome to Talking Moves, a podcast from Greenwich Dance where dance artists come together to talk about their work and practice, the things that matter and the issues which move them. I'm Melanie Precious and in this episode I'm talking with two artists about creating an identity. For many dancers it's a dream to secure a long-term contract within a prestigious dance company but there comes a time when it just feels right to move on. So what happens when you fly that nest, leaving the safety of a regular wage, daily class, regular performance opportunities, and the companionship of like-minded company members? How do you build that support infrastructure for yourself at the same time as having to find the funding, secure commissions, and well, also rebrand? So today we have with us Annie Hanawa, independent dance artist and ex-Kanduko dancer, and Erian Kruya, choreographer and movement director and one-time dancer with Hove Schechter Company. Welcome, both of you. So, Annie, tell us about life in Kanduko. I think you were there between 2008 and 2014. Yeah, that's right. What did it look and feel like and what was it that made you decide that it was time to leave? It was a long time ago now. Uh, <laughs> I've been out of the company for longer than I was in it at this point. But yeah, it was a huge step for me because being hired by Kanduko is what brought me to the UK from the US. And I was straight out of study. So like I finished my undergrad and I got hired and I just came over immediately. And it was quite, yeah, like a dream come true at the time because where I'm from, nothing really exists like a full-time contract or anything like this. And also I was really interested in Kanduko for its kind of investigation into accessible working practices and disability and stuff like this. And, you know, the artists they work with. So I was just like, oh my God, dream job happened immediately out of study. What? It's going to be all downhill from here. (laughs) But no, that's not been the case at all, actually. And I think because I started with them when I was quite young and I always felt like, you know, I wanted to work with other artists in my career. It was just the beginning of things. So yeah, at one point I met quite a lot of choreographers working there. So I was invited to work with a few of them. And finally I decided like it was the right time to go to one of those offers. Yes. So that's how I jumped out. That's how you jumped out. I had something to jump to. That felt then like your reason for leaving was about curiosity and investigation and wanting to build some new and independent relationships but you actually weren't with the company that long before you started on that journey so that's interesting I mean it it is a long time yeah in terms of being a young dancer getting a contract and then going actually six years on yeah I want to develop more Erian how about you how long did you dance for Hoffish for and what made you decide to leave I danced for Hoffish for eight and a half years or nine years I think something like that yeah I retired from dancing I've been dancing by that time for 20 years as professional and 30 years since I started so I think it was time I really wanted to choreograph I mean I wanted to quit dancing when I was 28 to pursue my dream of choreographing and creating not just choreographing but yeah Hoffesh came along and of course I love the company so I just joined without thinking and oh that's interesting so you joined just at the point where you were about to make that yeah yeah there was two companies that I wanted to go at that time when I was 28 I was in Switzerland in Bern and there was two companies one was Gothenburg and one was Hoffesh and I met Hoffesh and did class and audition and yeah he offered me the job and I joined the company nine years later I'm still dancing in the company but I managed to transition yeah and so your choice to leave Hoffesh was reconnecting with that feeling that you had when you were 28 was it and going actually now is the time I want to be a maker 
Yeah, it was natural choice. For me, this is a story that I keep it really close to me. It was in November, we were somewhere in France, and before the performance, for the first time in my life as a dancer, I said to myself, I don't feel like doing the show. <laughs> and that was like 20 years later since I started dancing. And yeah, it was the first time ever. I was always really excited to go on stage. It was the place for me to feel comfortable, to spend all my energy and get out of there after the show. And and just have a drink and have some food, like really relaxed. It was really, really nice. But for the first time, I said, I don't feel like doing the show. And that was the trigger for me. I said, okay, right. this is enough, enough, it's enough. It's time to move on and to stop dancing. So, yeah. Okay, that's it. Yeah, that was it. I did transition during the time. I did workshops. Since I joined the company, I remember having a chat with Hofesh and saying that I would like to teach workshops. I would like to choreograph. I would like to continue that side of me and my career mm. parallel to the company. And they facilitated a lot. He was really supported on that. I was going to ask both of you that actually. It led me beautifully into my next question, which is about how those institutions, those companies are supporting dancers to spread their wings and fly, which is actually a very tricky thing, I think, when they've got great dancers like yourselves. I'm sure they're wanting to keep you, but it's a bit like having children, isn't it? You've got to let them grow up and go their own way. And I wondered how they did that. And having worked with Hofesh for a little while myself, I knew that there was a scheme they had in place called In Good Company, where they used to encourage dancers to make their work. And I wondered, Annie, did Kanduko have anything similar? How were you supported to become independent or were you? Um, yeah, I guess when I look back, I feel like they were supportive of me transitioning into working outside the company because, you know, it's quite a full-time role. And I think they could feel that I was like on the edge of leaving and they kind of like gave me some slack to start doing other work which maybe normally they wouldn't have which I really really appreciated because that made that transition a lot easier because jumping from something that feels secure into just like unknown you know freedom which is wonderful and terrifying at the same time yeah it was really nice to be able to do that and yeah I think from the beginning I was like I want to make stuff too I was really like young and ambitious when I came to them and yeah, they, I think, made space for dancers, you know, we did a lot of teaching work and stuff like this to, like, lead things in workshops, which was great. But when I was there, there wasn't, like, an official thing, like, in good company. No. There probably could be more of that, because I think, actually, in those situations, when you give people space to explore their own research, and not everyone necessarily wants to do that, some people just want to do their job, and it's fine. But I think people are more fulfilled, and they do their work better. <laughs> so then, maybe they end up mm. staying longer, or just being more in general. That was certainly the feeling I had during the In Good Company, that it was very much about keeping dancers longer, even though they were getting a longer leash, if you like, because they were able to explore their selves. But I'm really interested in what you said, Arian, about you having a chat with Hofesh and being open about your aspirations. And I'm thinking about listeners that might be, be in similar situations to you. And would you recommend that honesty of going, actually, I'd really like to do more teaching or I'd really like to do more choreography? Or, Definitely. Yeah? Definitely. Definitely the best way to go forward with any yeah. choreographers, any director is just sitting down and having a chat because each director will have their idea or choreographer will have their idea where to go. they want to bring the company with you involved in it as a dancer. Yeah. But I believe you have to have your idea where do you want to go as a performer, as a dancer, but also in your career. If you want to create, you have to talk. 
I'm yeah. not saying it's easy. I was lucky enough that Hofesh was supported from day one. But also I think he appreciated that I was straightforward. I didn't go around or think. I just went, sat down. And also you establish a relationship like that from the beginning. And it's really helpful for, for me. It has been helpful for nine years. For example, I was in Amsterdam and I was going to choreograph. And we had one rule. I couldn't miss any show. So that's what I promised to him and also it was in my way of working as well since nine years in Hofesh I only missed four shows and that was because I had a surgery on my knee so it was my rule never miss a show no matter what so that was also our rule we'll never miss a show so I went to Amsterdam and then did a two-week choreography there and woke up at five took a plane then arrived in London and by surprise meet Hofesh in the train. We had a train journey together from London to Plymouth, directly gone on stage, do lights and tech rehearsal and then shows. And then I was dead in the hotel because I couldn't <laughs> But he was so supportive. We met at the train and he's like, you can do this. It's fine. You know, it's your dream. You should follow your dream. And it's your job and your dream as well. Because he knew I loved the company a lot. Yeah. And so, yeah, I would suggest to everybody to have a chat with have the director. Chat. And if it doesn't happen, then... Well, I perhaps guess, then yeah. you know that you're not in the right place. Exactly. <laughs> so... Annie, going back to you, when you first left then, how did that feel? And what was the first thing you felt that you had to do to establish yourself as an independent? Oh. Or indeed, were you an independent? Did you go to another company? I yeah, I was independent. I started a new project with Rashid Oramdan, who is based in France. He's just been appointed as the new director of Chaillot in Paris. But yeah, back then he was not the director of Chaillot yet. But he was a choreographer I met in Kanduko when he came to work with us. And so he offered me this project that was really clearly like, okay, I can't do that and continue to be in this full-time company. And it's like just a duet. So it's like, it's very personal. It's like, it's going to be you or not. If you don't want to do it, I have to find someone else like now. So I was kind of like, okay, let's go. And yeah, that show ended up being very successful. Like when you make stuff, you don't know like how it's going to be taken. It's just like, there's so many elements involved in that. And some of it, I feel like is just luck, but I think it was simple and touching and cheap because <laughs> we're only two on stage but that ended up being like the backbone of my dance life for like five years and then I did a lot of other stuff around that but I was on tour a lot so then I was kind of trying to like sneak in doing my own things developing my own practice when I was free when I was back in London yeah okay wait what was the question yeah establishing myself as an independent artist yeah I think it just took time also because then I started establishing myself in another country, which now I, I feel like mm -hmm. maybe I'm well known in France. People here are maybe like, oh, didn't you used to dance with Kanduko? And I'm like, that was a thousand years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so I've done so much other stuff, but you don't know about it. Um, but <laughs> I was going to talk to you about that later, that label that sort of carries you. Yeah, so like I'm super grateful to the exposure I got in that company because each opportunity I've gotten has opened other doors to other things that I would not have expected. Yeah. But for a while it was like I would be off touring like three years after leaving Kenduko and I would come back and like go to professional class and people would be like, oh, how's it going in Kenduko? And I'm like... <laughs> 
And Toad's not there anymore. But also, I am still connected to them as a sort of orbiting in their artist community. So it's still part of my professional world, which, yeah, I like the idea of maintaining relationships over a long time. That it's not just like, okay, we're done with each other. Ciao. Like, those can take other shapes. That's nice. Still feeling like you've got that connection. Because actually, there is support there. And I'm sure they're thinking of you when they're thinking of opportunities as well, potentially. Arian, how about you? What was the first thing you did to sort of go, right, okay, it's me now? I took four months off. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That wasn't what I was expecting you to say. Uh, I I know it was a plan of mine because I just wanted to have a break. And the last four months of still working with Hofesh, I was doing choreography in Italy. I was teaching workshops. So I was quite busy about the whole year or two. I transitioned, so I didn't stop from Hofesh and then go and do other things. I was working with Hofesh, doing workshops, teaching and choreographing around. That was the last three to four years more intensively. I like to transition a lot. I prefer that. So when I stopped, I think it was June, I decided to take four months off and it was a great feeling. I had danced since I was 18, so it was a long time, uh, every day in the studio, every day working, a lot of shows, the body and mind, soul, everything needed to rest. So I, yeah, four months off. And then I went to China. I was invited to create there for three weeks. And I did that. And then I had planned from January until July or August. I had three commissions and lots of workshops. Then Mm. pandemic hit. But that's That's another (laughs) issue. But yeah. (laughs) To drop back to you then for a moment, Annie. And you talked about that label of being still perceived as being in Kanduko, but having left... I'm thinking that the generation of dancers now have got a different set of tools around them with social media and websites from when I was dancing and not at your level, BTW. But I wondered, was there something you needed to do yourself in terms of rebranding? So did you think to yourself, right, I need to build my profile, I'll get a website, I'll put these images out of myself. Was there any of that consciously or did you just organically move into that next stage? Yeah, that's stuff that I'm super bad at and I'm still, (laughs) I need to get better at. I have a website now, which feels like a good step. I need to be more proactive in updating it, as most people with websites probably feel the same. But yeah, I feel like I'm still in the process of defining that. Like, I don't confidently say, like, I am a choreographer. I feel like a dancer who makes things. Or also, I create from the perspective of someone who's on stage or, like, who's been performing a lot. That's the way I'm coming from it. Um, Yeah, so... It's something that I look at a lot of other people who are super good at putting their stuff up on social media and it's like really awesome and spectacular and shiny looking and I'm just like, oh my god, that's the last thing I think about. I don't know, I'm someone who's really focused on what's going on right now and I'm so invested in that and I'm so interested by it that I'm just like, oh, I should take a picture. Oh no, I forgot about that. I'm, I'm slowly that trying to... good to me. Yeah, I'm trying to train myself that that's part of the work. <laughs> like, I'm like, oh. It sounds good to me, I think. like That's the best thing when you're in the moment and creating. Instead of creating for the outcome, I... yeah, right? it sounds great to me. 
I do the same. If you see my social media, just pictures of little things or painting, whatever I do, like weird things and a little bit of my work. The same, I recently opened a website after a lot of people telling me, you have to open a website, you have to show your work. Uh, I had the same feeling, but it sounds good to me that you are in the moment and you want to do whatever you want to do. And I think that's perfect. With social media now, I, for me, I think sometimes we lose that part of that creativity that come innocent creativity that's what i call it oh that's nice that it's with the back thought in your head that why am i creating this who's gonna like it i it's yeah for me yeah, it's, that's yeah. lovely that's spontaneous and in the moment there's something about the infrastructure as well isn't there being an independent is exactly that you're on your own in a way and so the job of having to update the website think about the social media do all of that stuff falls on your shoulders and actually you're also the performer and the person who's bringing home the bacon and so a lot falls on you and i wondered what your infrastructure might look like now perhaps less then but do you feel that you have any kind of infrastructure around you in terms of support for your work do you have producers working with you do you have just like-minded groups or are you still feeling independent <laughs> we're both laughing, we're both laughing. I, wish, I know i wish i had a photo of both of your faces right now i have so many staff members it's amazing you know <laughs> have you you've got a finance manager oh, marketing manager dreams. <laughs> that would be super cool it's just you isn't it annie <laughs> um i don't know yeah hey producers i would love to work with you yeah it's really hard because what we do is so fluctuating so i also understand yeah. why it's hard to find people who are like cool i'll jump in and support you full time even though you probably don't know if you can pay me like why would anyone want to like you know why would they take a yeah. risk so yeah it's tricky and when you spend a lot of energy writing an application or something that means a lot to you and you're like this is awesome this project needs to exist and then you don't get it it can be really devastating and it like yeah and who's holding your hand at that point who can you moan friends to if who that do the same you? yeah, yeah okay. like other artists yeah i think it's starting to get better maybe organizations starting to offer like hey we can offer our producer hours to you for free you know stuff like that which is like oh that is super helpful actually but what i would love support with is like more long-term thinking about things or like developing relationships and stuff like that because i kind of feel like i'm 100 making it up as i go which most people probably feel <laughs> yeah that's yeah. really interesting i can feel your pain i could not imagine what that might feel like when it's sometimes when the bad things happens rather than the good things that you need to know that you've got people that you can talk to and just go yeah. ah and share your pain so arian well both of you actually but i'm going to direct this to you arian because i know how much the aesthetic of the work of Hofesh is, is ingrained within it. I wanted to ask both of you, what kind of work does your body want to do when it's been a tool for someone else's for so long? And, you know, with, with Hofesh's work, I know that that strong aesthetic is taught through his training and his repertoire. And I wondered how easy it was for you to break away from that style of movement when you'd been doing it for that many years and start to form that aesthetic and vocabulary of your own. Um... Wow, there is a lot of components there to come together to actually make sense. And it's connected with the question you asked before, if we have producers, support and all of that. Why it's connected to that? We don't have a platform anymore in UK, in London. For example, if you see Hoffesh, where he came from, no, he did this festival taking place in the place. It was a competition of choreography. Yes, I remember. Yes, the place press, yeah. It doesn't exist anymore. 
so therefore people like me and Annie here in UK we have no platform to show our work and that's where it starts from how are you going to meet producers how are people going to see your work how are you going to share your thoughts with people to actually see what you do then have a chance to actually meet a producer it's like I like your work so I would like to work with you because what I've seen it's great and I'm inspired by it even if I get paid not so much at the beginning I believe in your dream or in your choreography you know it doesn't exist anymore and therefore there is no platform so from there on how does it go you don't have a studio how can you research a different body language? Coming back to the second question about being with a company for such a long time. How can you research a different way of dancing or gather everything you have done in your career, go in a studio for, let's say, two weeks and start just researching, researching, researching. How can you do that if you don't have the infrastructure to do it? If you don't have the possibility for a week or two studio here in UK or in London, it's one of the most expensive things. Mm. I wanted to go but I couldn't afford it to rent a studio. And there is no support on that. So therefore, what you are stuck with, it's not doing a research for to shake off all these years of dancing for a choreographer for nine years, for example, and combine whatever you have done whole life. You can't take a friend and go and explore different body shape, different ways of working. So then you're stuck. Yeah. And therefore, every time you have an opportunity to do something, especially to create something and there is a really short time that you have to create it's a time limit really short and you have to rush to create something therefore everything that comes out of your body it's ingrained in your brain because you have done it for my side i've done it for nine years before that i was a ballet dancer and then i did dance theater and i did uh, neoclassical modern i did everything but it's harder to access those points that were far away in my memory than it is now with Hoffesh. Like, it's easier. My body's there still, no? Uh, muscle memory is cooling. Muscle memory. So, yeah. yeah, I think whoever has the possibility, it's great, but I believe I'm being maybe a bit critical here of London, but it is the truth. I have a lot of friends. And he's shaking her head and, and nodding. Totally agree. The truth is the truth. If we had yeah. a platform of... Like, this is something I've thought about, but I'm not a producer, so any producers out there who wants to collaborate with me and Annie, <laughs> come and talk. But, you know, creating a festival for choreographers here in London, it's not a bad thing to showcase their work, even if it's a 10-minute work. It doesn't have to be 20 minutes. But, yeah, it would be a great idea to bring back something, a kind of a festival or a competition, like the place prize, to encourage choreographers to work and to showcase their work then you make the connection and Annie you were agreeing I think with a lot of what Erin was saying there but I also wondered with you and I don't know how you feel about this because as you say you have got a longer period between when you were dancing with Kanduko and what you're doing now but the ethos for them is about challenging the idea of ideal dancer aesthetic and I noticed in your biog that you say that you want to disrupt the idea of a normative dancing body and so I wondered in many ways whether you were bringing Kanduko's ethos with you, or rather perhaps you were subscribed to Kanduko's ethos before even entering Kanduko. Do you feel different to Arian and the way he's talking about movement and muscle memory from working so, so long with Hoffish? Is that 
the same for you or different? Yeah, I mean, a lot of what you're saying, Arian, I'm massively resonating with all that. Yeah, it doesn't matter what your body is like. Everybody has layers of memory of what they've experienced. And I think, you know, because you've worked so intensively in like one very iconic movement style for, you know, that's like really fresh or recent. Um, and I think it's different just because Kanduko is a repertory company. So we had like all these different people coming in. So it was more about how you can change yourself to fit into lots of things, which was not always easy. I think the interest in accessibility or different ways of being, different ways of moving, which are maybe like considered other or like outside of what a normal quote unquote dancing body is, has always been interesting to me because of who I am and my physicality and my experience in life. But that definitely got more refined through meeting Kanduko and also like wanting to do it in my own way or like what it means for me in my work. Like that's an ongoing exploration. It's not something I'll ever have like figured out or something. It's an interest that will keep going. And that goes alongside of exploring movement concepts and you know physical ideas they're interlinked for me mm. and it's something that never gets old like it's always interesting and it always brings up new mm. like challenges and problems to solve and things that are like oh i need to okay how can i do that thing i was imagining then yeah and exactly what arian you're saying about places to present your work and studios like i realized actually when i came out of kanduko i also did a residency that i self-funded and I was able to do that because I kept performing. Like, that's also why it's like quite hard for me to just jump to another thing because that's been my way of making money is yeah. still performing, still teaching, doing all those things. And I like yeah. they influence each other, but sometimes it's like, it might be interesting just to really focus on that. Um, I don't know what yeah. would happen. I wanted to ask you about that because when we first approached you about coming onto this podcast, I used the phrase choreographic identity and you made the valid point that there's often a hierarchy attached to the idea of being a maker and actually you're a performer as well and you're making your own way and you're performing and that should have an equal status but sometimes there's this notion perhaps that we're pushing wanting to be a maker or choreographer onto people and I wondered how is that feeling for you? Yeah I think there's maybe an assumption that first you're a dancer and then you like graduate to being a choreographer and that sort of like moving up the ladder <laughs> or something and for me I'm just like this is a holistic thing we're artists and whether you are channeling somebody else's vision as a performer you're bringing your artistic voice and your perspective to that we're not just like empty beings or something I don't know and then you know when you start initiating and creating your own stuff then it's like yeah you take on a different responsibility that's like totally different from being in somebody else's work and feels very risky <laughs> they both have their own mm. risk actually mm. which are totally different so i yeah that also relates to what erin you were saying about where do i present my work because i feel like okay i'm pretty established as a performer but i'm not known as a maker but it's like i have all this background of years of work and moving and it's not separate from creating your own thing it's just that people don't know me as creating my own thing and maybe I'm not as confident in saying like this is my vision or whatever but I feel like okay I'm experienced so I'm not new at this I'm not a student making my first work it's a shift of like into a different stream but it's all part of who I am as an artist so yeah <laughs> I had problems with that friends would ask or introduce you with somebody and they're like oh what do you do and I'd be um I don't know I am a choreographer I guess 
Although I love choreography, I've done it for some time now. It still feels like I'm just an artist, but my practice is based on movement and light and sound and putting together a show. It's, it's a hard thing to, to change, but because of that, I had to change it because the, the transition from dancer to choreographer, for me, if it was for me, I wouldn't have done it. I wouldn't change like my stamp choreographer or movement director. Although I know I am, but I wouldn't have. When I opened my website, I named it The Artist. That was my website, not Aryan Korea Choreographer, because I thought, you're just an artist, it's fine. But I had to change it because that's how it works. You have to put a stamp and say, now I'm choreographing. And although you might have done it on all your years as a dancer for different choreographers coming and asking, can you do two eights and then putting it on the show? But yet there it is. You have to change it at that time. It's just how things work. Because if we had an opportunity, let's say, to, to choreograph, to showcase your work, you didn't have to put a stamp on what we do, no? Yeah. People would notice and be like, oh, yeah, it's choreographing or she's choreographing or yeah. doing that. So it's, it's simple. There's something about language, isn't there, that we use in the industry? And we often call an artist emerging or established. And I think you're both almost saying that you're living both of those things, aren't you? You're established, you've got a name, you've got years of experience, you're emerging in some areas, or you might be perceived as being emerging in some areas, as you were saying, Annie, that actually you are established, you're known in Paris or Zurich, or perhaps more than you are in the UK with a choreographic hat on. It's really interesting how we seem so insistent on labelling <laughs> everyone and, and meanwhile you're ducking and diving perhaps choosing the label that might um, get you through whatever door it is that that label seems to be attached to whether it's you know funding for emerging choreographers okay that's what I am that's what I'll say I am for this <laughs> to get this door open would you say then in any part of that navigation that label of Kanduko that label of Hofesh where does that come in for you is that a help or a hindrance? Does that give you kudos or do you have to shrug it off? Or again, do you duck and dive between feeling like sometimes you want to call yourself X this or and sometimes just going, I wish you'd forget that I was with that company because I'm me. Both of you looking very pensive. <laughs> For me, yeah, it, it's a good thing, of course. It's part of my career. It's part of my life for nine years. And I love it. And I still love the company and the work that Hoffesh does or they do as a company because the work, it's it's created by a team of 12 people in the studio, even with the chats that you have outside the studio about the piece, the idea, and with the body language that you create or the movement you create in the studio. So yeah, you are so involved in creating the work. But... Yeah, there is a label there. For example, I did a show in, I created in Germany and a lot of reviews were good. I'm not bragging, it was good. One person was, oh, yeah, he did good, blah, 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 but that was just uh, same as Hoffesh. And I said, okay, fair enough, it's okay. It wasn't, but fair enough, it's okay. Then I see somebody else doing another choreography, totally stealing from Hoffesh, from videos and workshops. And then the review is like, amazing, new choreographer coming out. Then it makes you think, wait a second, because maybe if I do something like Hoffesh, maybe I'm entitled to do because I've worked there for nine years and it's fine. But if somebody else does it, then it's okay. You don't notice it or say it. So it works both ways for you. The good part is that maybe you have a name out there that people know and look forward to take your workshops or choreograph or invite you. And the other side works that you might be always stamped 
as creating work that resembles Hofesh. But people wouldn't know that maybe before that or after, you maybe had the same ideas. That's why at the first place you decided to work together. Mm-hmm. You know, it's... And how does that play out for you, Annie? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I think I use it sometimes because it's like a very obvious signal about inclusivity or like this interest in inclusivity because the company's known for that and doing it on a professional level, like working with disabled dancers, really professional and awesome and all of this. It's quite tricky because then I think people maybe assume things about me or like Uh, assume I am an expert or like I'm claiming an expert view on all of that and I'm like very much not I have my experience and I have my thoughts and they're my own and they're not the right or correct way of doing stuff it's just how I think about it yeah I don't know it is tricky there's definitely yeah positive and not as great (laughs) things Yeah. (laughs) yeah do you feel with a little bit more water under the bridge between your time at Canduco and now do you feel in a different place than you were when you first left in terms of that labeling? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, oh, it's like a big answer. I don't know how much of that (laughs) is going in, but I guess it was quite tricky for me being in the company in terms of the language that was sometimes used around disabled, non-disabled, which because I am who I am, I guess I would qualify as a disabled dancer. And that like hard line was like, it created a lot of stuff. (laughs) Um, in how we worked and then one of the reasons why I wanted to leave is because I didn't know if I could work in a context that was not dealing with that like I didn't know if anyone would want to hire me just as a dancer in their project I was like this is the test I want to see if I'm just going to be a disabled person for people or if I'm actually a dancer (laughs) and those two things are together they can't be separated right but I feel that's the way people look at it And maybe that's like my cynicism or like lack of trust in human beings or something. But I find it super interesting to slide between those worlds. They both have great things about them and they both have drawbacks. And there are ways of working in each that resonate with me. Yeah, and I'm in a privileged position because I feel I can slide between those and I have. Like not everybody is able to do that or like is allowed, I will say, to do that Mm -hmm. by other people. So... Yeah, it's a really interesting one. But when I first left, that was massively, it created some tension for me internally. I was just like, ah, I'm not just a disabled dancer. Ah, I'm a dancer and I am disabled, but I am a dancer. And now I'm much more calm about it. A really good dancer, by the way. (laughs) Thanks. And I really enjoyed, honestly, the energy and the way of working. But I have a question for you. Sorry, I, I'm just going <laughs> to ask it. Have you had a chance to choreograph for a non-disabled company? Because as you said, you might have that stamp that people will hire you to work with disabled. Like, why should it have a barrier in the middle? I, yeah. I don't understand. Absolutely. Yes, me too. I feel like anyone who wants to work with people can just work with any people. And yes, I have I've choreographed for groups of disabled and non-disabled people. I've choreographed for groups without disabilities or yeah, non-disabled dancers completely as well. And it brings up a lot of interesting questions because it's like, yeah, the ways I want to think about movement, I want to think about it in a way that it can be for everyone and it can be exciting and challenging for everyone involved and not create barriers for anyone. And that mostly has to do with just like being open to who you're working with and how they work and 
how they move, what's best for them, what's supportive for them. Yeah, and it is maybe a labeling thing that comes from the outside, which is okay. Mm. Yeah, I'm quite happy to be like invited to work with disabled dancers or non-disabled dancers because I find it quite exciting. Like the more difference and mix there is in a group, I find it very exciting because it makes me have to think about how I bring all these people together when they're so different. When I meet a group that are sort of like all the same age and they have the same training and they have like, it's great, but it's also like, okay. <laughs> but then, yeah, I, I say that and then actually you never know what's going on for people. You never know. So like I might have an assumption because I'm working with a group of students and then they come out with something that I'm just like, wow, what? Like you guys are just amazing. Like you have all these layers that, you know, that was my own assumption, you know. Like, yeah. keep removing those. And Annie, do you think that this sort of internal struggle or this labelling situation is the same internationally as it is in the UK? Does it feel different working abroad? Do you still feel that you have that same labelling issue, whether that be non-disabled or disabled, or even performer and choreographer, actually? We've been talking about both those labels in this conversation. I know you've done a lot of work in Paris and Zurich. Does that feel different for you? Or are you struggling with the same challenges wherever you go, if you like, with that terminology? Yeah, it's very different in different places in how ready the public is to see different types of bodies or different people or whatever on stage and accept them as dancers. Like every place is in a different stage of their evolution of thinking. And it's one of the reasons why I love the UK, because we have a really sophisticated way, like community of disabled artists in all kinds of art forms who just make really great work. And that's particular to this country. So the conversation is not as evolved yet in some places. So then it can be hard because when you're maybe like one of the first times people have seen someone uh, who has a prosthetic arm on stage or something, it just becomes all about that. And it's like super boring because it's like, oh my God, I was doing so much hard dancing. And you're just like, whoa, she has a prosthetic arm. <laughs> um, that's maybe simplifying, but that is the reaction I've gotten sometimes. <laughs> and that's also a privilege to be that person and be like, yeah, okay, think about this. There are so many possibilities out there in human beings. <laughs> yeah, yeah, gosh, I can empathize with that struggle. It's also inspiring uh, for a lot of people. It's really inspiring to see somebody taking the courage to actually go on stage and work and show to people that I can do this, you know, because maybe in some other places it's not even known. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's, it's really, really inspiring to see. I come from Albania, so we didn't see that in Albania. I danced in Switzerland. I didn't see so much at that time. The first time I heard uh, it was here in UK, which is a beautiful thing to have. Mm. You know? So it's inspiring to mm. see. For me, it was inspiring to see the company for the first time in the triple bill that I saw you on dancing. It gives you a little bit of a boost uh, to stop complaining and be like, just work more, you know, for yourself, you know, as a dancer, you're like, well, it's inspiring to see. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. <laughs> That's amazing. As this independent artist, let's not worry about whether you're a maker or a performer right now, but as this independent artist, do you feel that you've been able to make a stamp on that world? But do you feel you're in a, uh, both of you actually? Because I know, Ariel, for you, when you say artist, you're also talking, as you said earlier, about music and lighting and the, and the whole thing. Do either of you feel that like you've been able to make your mark 
clearer where you are now in terms of what you want to say and how you say that with your dance. I tri- sorry, Annie, please go. No, go ahead. I feel like I've been taking a lot of airspace, so like... <laughs> I feel the same. I was like, I'm taking <laughs> I don't know, to be honest. I think all it's happening now is just a journey of creating yeah. things. And I'm personally, until I will have that time of three or four months in a studio creating with dancers and artists and having the opportunity to research more deeply into my thoughts, I think that's probably will a stamp will come. Of course, each one has their identity now. I would say for me, I'm an energetic person. I like to move a lot and my music shows this and my ideas. I'm also straightforward, I guess. You can see it from the podcast today. I I say things the way I think or maybe the way they are, I think. So, yeah, that would resonate on stage to what I want to talk about. But deep down, for example, I have my life story. Yeah that it hasn't been touched yet to to be okay honest. so an identity is being built but you've got so much further to I, go i can't even begin to touch that side of my memories because if i want to show or share my experience i better have time to really do it well otherwise it would just be snippets of these memories and not really good so yeah it's time. I get invited and I go in companies and choreograph for four weeks. And these four weeks are disrupted by a, another show that they have or another costume fitting or something else. Therefore, you end up having two and a half weeks with amazing dancer because what the dancers can do in rap companies, it's amazing. They are so easy to get into their brain and they are open to get everything and just do but two and a half weeks to create, it's not mm. enough, is it? That's the way I feel. This has come up on the podcast before, actually. Claire Cunningham and Jorge Crefis were talking about the luxury of time and how it's just something in our industry that we just don't ever seem to build into the way we frame anything. So, Annie, over to you, and I'm going to try and do better at reframing that question in a different way. I think what I'm trying to ask is, do you feel that you are developing your identity and is your artistic voice starting to be... That's a great question. Yeah, I think I'm starting to discover more like what I like and what I'm interested in, which I don't know if that's an identity or whatever, but I also have an instinctive like shrink away from this thing of like being nailed down, of being like, this is what I do, it's that kind of thing, because actually I want to stay fluid and evolving and learning and open but if I look back on like things I've created it's like oh there's something in common there (laughs) and then is it like I'm just making the same thing over and over but yeah I think I like things like what you said Arian I like to move a lot and sweat and be joyful and work with who's in the room with me and yeah be a little bit I don't know I don't want to say punk but like just not care so much i don't know there's like the balance between things that are tender and human and delicate and then just messy and high energy and yeah i like yeah the play between that Mm. yeah and for my last question i always like to end trying to find out a little bit more about how we at greenwich dance and organizations like us can do better in whatever the conversation is that we're having and in this context it's about how can we better support independent artists like yourselves what do artists need right now you've touched on it i know time 
studio space, platforms. Is there anything else that you feel would help? Uh, The funding model is what it is, but is there support around that? You talked about producers and being introduced. What could we do to better help people like yourselves? Um, Yeah, that sharing of resources is so valuable and not having to pay for things like producer time, studio time, all that stuff. I guess what I would love is developing relationships with artists not just like here's a call out anyone can do it like that's also great but having a relationship with an organization or an institution and being like we are actually really interested in supporting you so actually what do you need right now what's useful for you having a conversation rather than just we're offering this and it's like that might not actually be useful for people Maybe I'm not so experienced at putting together grants and na na na, but these little micro things that are offered, like here's 200 pounds. And I'm like, that's super nice, but what am I gonna do with that? That's one day for one person or something. I guess actually figuring out the needs of independent artists and working with that more. I think that's really powerful. It's about not making assumptions and and putting together those hard packages of this is what we're offering, but trying to be a bit more open to a bespoke offer. We're trying to take that on board. Arian, how about you? I mean, this is already helpful from Greenwich Dance and from you, Melanie. I mean, it's having an opportunity to have a chat with another artist and with you and just realise that for me, realising we are all in the same pot somehow. For example, Annie was saying, oh, the application, this is the application, do it. And we're not so good to write grants. Of course, we're not good to write grants. We have danced the whole life. And the grants have so many requirements that you have to write this way or that way to get the grant. We are artists. We are straightforward people. We say, I want to do this. I want to create this. This is my idea. But yet you have to write in a certain way. I've done applications and I've stopped since six months because it's not right the way that the requirements are that you have to speak so eloquently or write so eloquently that you cannot do it. You have to ask somebody else to write it for you, basically. Especially if English is not my first language. So, of course, it will be harder for me. But as Greenwich Dance, I think this is amazing. Giving opportunities to a lot of us choreographers or artists out there to have a chat together. And I know you've been really supportive and that's great. And I would suggest on my side, it's meeting in person. I mean, forget about COVID, hopefully. But creating something, for example, I know Annie from the stage, but we never met, no? Yet here we are we meet, we discuss, and we realize that we're in the same boat. Having the opportunity to meet in person, for example, an evening somewhere, just to meet there and just have a chat, just talk all together and share. Because we do quite an individualistic work. We stay a lot in our rooms and think about the world and changing. And, you know, and it's nothing, you know what I mean? You're just there, like, in your head. Then you meet with... A fellow artist and this world is suddenly exchanged with somebody else and then you realize well it's great so yeah i wish that could have those platforms here in uk they do exist in other places that's my only thing sharing basically yeah. sharing well one of the things i should say to both of you is when i ask that question what can we do to better support you it always feels like the power balance is shifted you've both been in touch with me with ideas yeah. and suggestions. Arian, you sent me a grant recently and we had 55 seconds before the deadline, but you were so sweet and sent that over to me. And I know, Annie, you've also been in touch with ideas and thoughts. And I really feel that this really lovely equilibrium between artists and organisation is starting to get there. And I thank you both for thinking of us 
And that feels like a good place to stop. You've given me so much of your time already and thoughts. If you would like to hear more episodes about subjects moving artists of today, search for Talking Moves wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe, leave a review and spread the word. And for more information about Annie and Arian, head on over to GreenwichDance.org.uk. And do remember, if you know someone you think we should talk to or have a topic you'd like us to talk about, please tweet us at Greenwich Dance. But for today, that's it from us. And join us next time for more Talking Moves. Thank you both so much. Thank Thank you. you. Pleasure. That was great. Yes. Hi again. (laughs) It's Annie. I just wanted to add a couple of thoughts. I don't know if you'll be able to use this separately, but I guess I was just thinking about what I was saying in terms of like when I left Kenduko and wondering if people would hire me or would I just be a disabled person, etc. First is just to say that's not really something I worry about anymore. Now I just do what I do and I don't really care what other people think (laughs) in that sense. And I don't really worry as much really about how I'm perceived as much. I just um, focus on doing what I do, whether that's as a performer or as a maker or, you know, teaching things, all of it. And I just wanted to add that for me, working with disability or within an accessible context, all of that stuff, it's not about proving something. It's not about uh, demonstrating that we can do it too or like look, I can live up to the standard of a non-disabled performer or something that's not at all interesting to me. It's about seeing the potential in everybody because everybody can move. Everybody can move. (laughs) So, yeah. And when I guess I write about disruption, it's about just putting people who might not be in certain spaces in those spaces whether that's me as a performer or the people I work with, if I'm choreographing or, you know, supporting people into a pathway to being a professional dancer through training, that's where that interest comes from. So yeah, I just wanted to add a couple of thoughts because sometimes maybe it sounds like, oh, I was worried I wouldn't be good enough or something. And it was more that I wasn't sure if the world would allow me to do those things. I didn't have a doubt that I was capable of it. (laughs) Maybe that sounds egotistical, but um, yes. So if that's useful, please pop that in somewhere. If not, totally fine. Thanks.